Welcome to Startup Different. I'm Dave, your Chief Podcast Officer. With me is my brother and podcast sidekick, Chris. We're two successful entrepreneurs paying it forward by debunking startup myths, tackling the toughest challenges, and giving you the tools to build your business. Today, we're going to be talking about co-founders and why they matter. And no, you don't have to start a business with your brother. Let's do it. Hello, Startup Different listeners. Listen, listening to our pod. I love the pod. Hey, Chris, how are you, buddy? I'm good. Really? How are you? Yeah. Hey, you're wearing a white shirt. Yeah. I what know, is it? It was after kinda. Labor Day. <laughs> <laughs> what moon is it? <laughs> I think we only have like seven or eight episodes, and it's like we've already got an inside reference. I'm pretty happy about that. Nice. <laughs> I'm wearing my pumpkin spiced latte colored shirt today. Oh, delicious. Yeah. Actually, I find it kind of strong sometimes. Is that weird? I guess it depends. Yeah. It's a strong flavor. Yeah. I don't is know. Is truffle I, I, or, or truffle? No. What's in it? What is, I don't the, know. What is it? What is pumpkin spice? It's not actually pumpkin that often, right? Like, I feel like I like it during the season, but then I quickly grow tired of it and I'm glad it goes away. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, and that I, comes back. Yeah. Like, I have one of those Nespresso's, right? And I bought. Like last year I bought, I was like, oh, the pumpkin spice. They have like a special capsule and all that. I was like, sweet, I'm going to get in on that. And like everybody's going to love it. And then I bought it and I was like, I hate this. <laughs> no, like, no offense to the Nespresso people. They actually make a fantastic product. I love it generally. But those ones weren't so good. They just tasted really artificial. It was like, what am I drinking? What is this? To the people of Nespresso. To the people I appreciate of Nespresso. what you're trying to do for me here, but yeah. <laughs> it's a bit much. <laughs> it's just like it was really, it just tasted artificial, you know, even if I made a big latte out of it or whatever. But, you know, it's nice. I mean, you're not really a fancy drink kind of guy either. You're more of a just jet fuel coffee kind of guy. Yeah. Black coffee. That's yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, no pollutants of any kind in the coffee. <laughs> I remember when I was back at Bell, there was this coffee machine on the second floor of, of our office. And there was like no setting for anything but just black coffee. And it came <laughs> out so dark. It was light could not escape its surface. Like it was <laughs> so powerful. I'd be so wired, um, which I guess Rocket is mission fuel. accomplished. That's what nice. they're trying to do, right? So Yeah. <laughs> You know, or have some more coffee and go back to work. Yeah. Yeah. Those were, those were good times. Good times for sure. Anyway. Hey, uh, today's a fun topic. I mean, they're all fun topics, but today's a really fun topic. We get to talk about co-founders. You're a co-founder. Yeah. Right on. Yeah. I'm a co-founder. <laughs> Somebody yeah. listening today is hopefully a co-founder. We're weird co-founders though. We're brother co-founders, which yeah, is we have like family business. Which the is best kind of and the worst kind of co-founders at you know, the same it's time. I said it in the intro that you don't you don't have to start a business with your brother, but I actually I think it would be interesting to go out there and talk to other brother co-founders. There's actually more of us than than I thought. Brother or sister, by the way, uh, you know, siblings yeah. in general. There's actually a lot more out there than I thought. I thought that was pretty rare. I don't think it is. I want to. I'm just going to make this up. You know, 87 percent of all statistics are made up. I'm going to say that. Um, <laughs> Like ten percent of startups are are brothers, brothers or siblings. Yeah, yeah. Siblings. yeah. Uh, that sounds high to me. It we'll find out. Me. We'll find out. Right Although this, um, we were at Collision in Toronto, uh, which is a conference we for startups. Yeah, we collided. Uh, and <laughs> we collided. <laughs> uh, but we, the I think one of the first uh, companies that we yep. talked to at one of their booths was actually it was two brothers, and we were yep. like, oh my god. <laughs> Hey, oh, wow, great. you're doing it too. 
How's it yeah. going? <laughs> like, well, I remember there was a guy terrible. on stage though too. There was some guy who was talking. I, uh, this is terrible. I, I wish I could give those companies a shout out because you know obviously that's kind of what we're doing here. But uh, there was another guy on stage though who uh, it's going to drive me nuts. But he was a brother co-founder, you know, and I think he actually had two other brothers in it. But we can talk about Whoa. that in a minute. So. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about this. So why does a co-founder matter? There's a bunch of things here. So the a lot of things we want to address today. So I want to circle around some data um, and then kind of talk about like what we what to be looking for and that kind of stuff. But the first thing I want to address, and because I had this sort of weird feeling too, I don't know, it's just like insecurity probably, was that I yeah. wanted to believe that I could do it all by myself. You know? Yeah. Uh, you may have industry experience. You may be arrogant like I was. <laughs> maybe still am. You, you know how. Maybe you know how to build the thing. Um, you know, maybe there's a case that you can actually do it by yourself. But the sort of like a should you element of all this. What do you think, Chris? I mean, Chris was well, this, I actually. Just sorry, Chris. I look at that. I ask you a question immediately. Trample you, but I. <laughs> I just don't want to say that Chris, being older than me, was actually a solo entrepreneur for years. So what do you yeah. think about it? Yeah, I was 10 years older than Dave uh, when Still I started are. my business in like Still 2002. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I was. Working on uh, that youth machine, machine, but anyway. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I started, like I graduated from computer science in 2002, started a business right after that because it was like the dot-com bust had just happened. So there wasn't a ton of jobs, so why not start a business? Um, and was doing it just myself uh, for a long time. And yeah, like, you know, I got to be honest with you, you get in your own echo chamber and some of the ideas you come up with they're not the greatest and uh, you're too close to the problem. A whole bunch of things had a really tough time scaling and actually, you know, going like trying to do both sides, do the, you know, the technical side, build the products, but also do the like CEO sales rep uh, marketing, you know, yeah. get customers side uh, at the same time was just brutal um, and really difficult to do both. You'd kind of lose track of one or the other. You'd be doing too much sales stuff and then forget or about product development side and vice versa. So did you try to like, I, I feel like you would have also, because you naturally only have so much time and being somebody who's like coding things. And I know that Chris also is the hardest working person in the universe. No, no offense to anybody out there, but this guy works hard. Sure. Um, there's people that work hard. Whatever. But yeah. Well, whatever. See, look, he's humble too. But yeah. The, mm. the, the reality is I think that because you only had so much time, I'm sure you started to look to like outsource stuff. Yeah. Like I think about your sales approach, like you were all channel based, right? And your yeah. channel, by the yeah. way, sorry, I love, we, one thing, one piece of feedback we got was we need more context. <laughs> so channels, mm -hmm. uh, for those who don't know at home is like a channel partner is like somebody else going out and selling your product. So that's what I'm yeah. talking about in this case. Yeah. So did you have that? You did have that. Yeah, we did do that. Uh, we were selling document management software. Uh, our dad so owned exciting. a photocopier dealership. Uh, so we we were trying to sell document management software with like Photoshop's or Photoshop, Photoshop's. Uh, photocopier dealers as, um, <laughs> the resellers of the software, uh, which was a bit of a stretch to say the least. Um, yeah. they, they had like really good skills, like mechanically to fix photocopiers, things like that, but their software side, like dealing with servers, this was like pre-cloud. There weren't any clouds back then. <laughs> it was, it was all on prem. <laughs> it was a clear blue sky <laughs> yeah, every yeah, day. The, only, the, the, the clouds, uh, there, there was no clouds. Yeah. Um, but, uh, so it made it challenging, uh, when we were trying to do that and then kind of managing the channel partners, you know, it was, it, I, they weren't really actively going out and trying to sell. They yeah. were just like order takers. They wanted to have oh, a man. physical territory and, you know, they Sales wanted to do all the marketing. And, 
Yeah. Oh. Oh, we'll yeah. talk about it later. That's definitely another podcast. I'd love to have actually a guest for that one. Maybe some folks from Rave because that would have been that was really fun, but and insanely difficult. But anyway, yeah. Um, but going back to the founder thing, like that yep. was kind of like you know, like I'd had no other option. I kind of like, well, I can't do everything, so I got to try and see if I can get these yeah. other guys to sell it, and then maybe I can do the more technical side of it. And that kind of worked to a point, but had a really hard time scaling it, and just uh, being pulled in a million different directions was was really tough as like solo entrepreneur for yeah. for ten years. Yeah. So. I, so this is a good segue. Like, what does the data say? Um, and it's actually an interesting picture. Uh, and we'll provide references for this, you know, after the fact. And we'll probably have a blog post. Check us out at startupdifferent.com. Um, but the first thing that's big here is that 80% of all billion-dollar companies launched since 2005 have had two or more founders. So mm-hmm. most businesses, most startups are co-founders. Part of this is a bias. Um, so as a lot of people know, so we have very, very strong feelings about venture capital, especially early seed funding, um, especially for software companies. That's another episode in its entirety, and I actually am super looking forward to it. But the the one thing to understand here is that uh, VCs generally prefer co-founders um, for reasons we're going to get into later, more or less, though, just so it's a more balanced team and there's a more balanced workload. And generally, two brains are better than one, which might sound, again, counterintuitive to a lot of you folks who think, hey, I can do this by myself or I already have or whatever. That's true. You probably can, but there's advantages to having two people that are aligned and invested and, and willing to go, go go to the mat for the business. This does also so to that point. There's actually, you know, if it's eighty percent are billion dollar companies, there's twenty percent that can sort of go it that have gone it alone and been really successful. And but the the data is kind of misleading even on that. That what they found, and this is a, I believe a Harvard Business Review piece. What they found was that they do that these solo founders actually do end up having a ton of support, you know, whether it's early employees, benefactors, corporate alliances, investors, mentors, whatever. They just don't literally have a co-founder. Like they never like split the equity. They never, you know, change the cap table so that there's another person operating the business with them. Like ultimately though, there was a team, you know, whether they're called co-founders or not. Right. So it's kind of interesting. Right. They, like, most of these businesses in, in almost, which makes sense, you know, especially for a billion dollar enterprise. Like, can you imagine that echo chamber if you were by yourself? Yeah, yeah. Like, it'd be tough. And I, I, when I think back to my time, the, the, I didn't have a ton of success, but definitely made a living and did probably better than my peers. Um, but, uh, you know, just didn't make it like big. Um, but I did have at that time, you know, like our dad was kind of in the background, uh, and I had other people that were kind of in the background that kind of were supporting me and, you know, I could sound, you know, ideas off of things like that just wasn't like the same, like, you know, every day of the week, you know, working with another co-founder, it wasn't that same kind of, kind of thing. It was, it was, you know, few and far between conversations that kind of kept me going. Yeah. There's something about that frequency. You know, being yeah. able to like, like really just literally like spin your chair. <laughs> be yeah. like, hey, what do you think of this? Um, yeah, that's obviously yeah. pretty Th- important as well. Makes me think of all day breakfast because that was kind of like, yeah, our, <laughs> well, no, not, that. not ADB. That's, a, that's okay. another tangent. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> D- you know, Dave and I, you, you and I, we went for lunch every day because it, like when we were building our business, it was kind of like the only time we could actually talk to each other without like the rest of the team hearing anything we were saying. We were all in close quarters. Tough to do in a tight co-working. co-working space, you know, yeah, to exactly. get like executive time, so to speak. So we, 
we basically said to our staff, like, yeah, like, so our, we go out for lunch and w- that is our time that we talk about, you know, our stuff, uh, you know, privately. Um, and so we would sometimes go out for lunch with our staff, but most of the time it was just the two of us. Very, and, honestly, pretty you know, rarely, which sounds almost mean, but yeah. uh, we needed to do it. We needed that yeah. time. It was the only time we had really to discuss stuff. So um worked out well. We definitely uh, favored the all-day breakfast type lunch places, uh, which we were Shout pretty addicted to. Shout out to Sunset Grill. Uh, what was that one in the hotel that was really good? Oh, uh, Over Easy. Over Easy. Oh, yeah, it's gone yeah. now. Yeah, I know. RIP. A lot of them are gone after the pandemic, unfortunately. I know. But, you know, such yeah. as... We could have given, as, like, in 2019 we could have had like a totally separate business that was just like food reviews of breakfast places and breakfast we would have, places it would have been good. Toronto. oh yeah people yeah. would have gone there it's, it's i mean maybe people, people call that google maps but i think otherwise we would have had some some ideas for you but i digress yeah. i think the the other thing that the research so there's other research that also suggests that solo founders can also be stronger than co-founders in circumstances that you'd probably think. So as an example for faster decision-making, but that's kind of like a weird qualification because faster isn't always better for one thing. Right. Um, and yeah. the data also like it whitewashes a ton of the, I think that are very important, a ton of the, the complementary elements um, of two co-founders such as, you know, uh, burden sharing for one thing, just, dealing yeah. with the stress of a business and getting through that. Um, and, and obviously complementary skills, like being able to work together, um, yeah. on a particular issue or tackle problems together, you know, uh, you know, sort of like four hands are better than two kind of idea. So, yeah, I think one of the, you will probably do a, a podcast episode where we're talking about like how to fight with your co-founder. Um, well, we can talk a bit about it probably, today, but yeah. yeah, I, I think we can go really deep on, on that for sure. Cause we had some great fights, like some oh yeah, like, particularly volcano early. fights. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, well, and a lot of it. it, a lot of yeah, the time. I know. Oh yeah, was, <laughs> especially me being older and stuff like that too. Mm. And like you know, it, so we're we're lucky in that our skills are very complementary. Like I was the tech guy, Dave. You were the sales marketing guy, um, and you know that was good. But there were times when it was like business, like direction decisions. And it was like my gut instincts versus your gut instincts. Yeah. And we were not aligned. Um, and uh, I, I think one of the things I remember is I remember going to a conference or something like that. And I'm bumping into another person who had started a business with a sibling. And I, you know, he said, how's that going? Because I told him that we were working together. And I said, you know, yeah, we have very candid conversations, kind of like implying, yeah, we're fight you know and and he said he said well as long as you just keep having those conversations you know as long as you keep talking and so that was like one of the things that we definitely learned is that you know keep talking keep talking keep talking i think it's about having a tool set yeah you know thing something you can you can hang on to uh, or or reference to to work through business discussions (laughs) read as business arguments which um, I'll say for us too, we're a lot more common in the early days. And, and, yeah. and part of that was because we didn't have a structure. We didn't know that well. I actually imagine this being a problem for most co-founders because what you're, you're not really, you don't really know a person until you kind of get business married to them. Like you do with <laughs> a co-founder. Like once you go down that road, 
uh, you're going to really understand that person, the way they work, the way they think. Like I understand that Chris is pretty black and white, very binary, if we'd like to put it that way, you know, when it comes to certain uh, addressing software certain developer, issues. it's called Boolean. Boolean. <laughs> I, that, that sounds much more impressive. You're so Boolean, bro. You go oh, Boolean, bro. You should get a shirt with that. That's cool. Um, but, but, you know, I think, again, going back to this, like having tools to be able to address this. So one tool for us was uh, understanding that we would need more data and, and any form of data. We early in, early on in the business, you just don't have much data. There's just, yeah. you're just trying to figure it out and you're kind of going by the seat of your pants. Um, so when we would have an argument, I would say to Chris, okay, or Chris would say to me in some cases, okay, let's cool off. Let's go find something to support positions and, and try to figure that out. And, and I, I think it's also worth mentioning here too, Chris, that you know, one of the tools that we were taught um, in business school and this was really beneficial for us as co-founders was uh, the the value of consensus as opposed to to voting. You know yeah. what I mean? That's that's one thing I think that you really had, yeah, to, we convince had to convince the other each person. other. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I mean, part of that is being open. So another tool is be open to be convinced, be coachable. You know, yep. uh, there's a lot that your co-founder is going to bring to the table, and you know, definitely don't vote on stuff because if you vote on stuff and you the vote goes not. The vote will implicit, which sounds weird. It sounds like I'm like anti-democratic. I'm not. I think consensus though is a better form of it because if you go to vote and you lose that vote, you're going to be pissed off and you're going to harbor that resentment. Yeah. Against somebody wins, somebody loses, right? Somebody it's loses. A vote. Yeah. 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 And then, so if you, you know, if you're one of the co-founders, you're always losing at some point, you know, it's, it's better to get the data and convince the other person so that it's consensus. It's all right. We, we've gotten the data. We agree on it. We talked about it a long time and we're going to take a run at this approach to this problem. You know, yeah. for what it's worth too, I, I just want to mention that when we talk about voting, I'm not talking about, obviously if you're two co-founders and you each vote separately, then you're still deadlocked. And I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, so I'm talking about like, you know, you would never vote with other staff either because then all of a sudden you're bringing them into your thing. And uh, then the other thing yeah. too is um, with equity. So equity, um, I was listening Ooh. to another podcast, My First Million. Um, I think it's a, actually a very fun podcast. One of the, those guys said, you know, one of the things he really regretted in his early businesses was he would always, uh, he would always be loosey goosey with his cap table. So that is how much equity he had in the business. And I'll tell you one thing that's an absolute must for a co-founder is splitting your equity evenly 50, yeah. 50, no games, mm -hmm. nobody's 51, 49, no one's 60, 40. Uh, and I've had two things come back at me when I say this to people, one is, well, then how do you break a deadlock? Are you serious? You're going to use equity to break a deadlock. Ooh. Like you can't, if you do that, you can kiss it goodbye. You know, yeah. like that's that. Why don't you just say I'm better than you as <laughs> your argument uh, yeah. uh, for that? You know, and I, I, I think too, don't, uh, you know, when you're first starting as, especially a software company and you're the t technical person in the, in the founder group, um, you're going to spend way more time building that product than they're going to spend on all their stuff. And you need to understand that you're putting in more hours at the beginning, um, and probably less later on. Um, but it'll even out over time. But at first it's going to feel terrible because you're probably going to be doing that, you yeah. know, working every day of the week and evenings and the whole, whole shooting match. And they're going to be coming in nine to five. Um, yeah. and you know, CTOs perspective, CTOs out there just got to eat it. Okay. Um, for a bit anyway, it. it works out in the yeah. long run, I think. 
it uh, does, but it's, it's not going to feel fair at the beginning. No. Um, and you don't want to start using that. Well, I'm doing way more hours than you. So I should win this argument. That kind of stuff is just it's, not a, a good way honestly, to go. Honestly, it's kind yeah. of like marital advice because you don't want to be keep, I know <laughs> it's business married. I know it's a little bit weird, but the, the, the second thing here, you know, well, I guess, so in that case, you know, you don't want to be keeping score. Keeping score is is bad. You're rowing together. You're working together. You're trying your best. You got to believe that fundamentally. Definitely don't yeah. half-ass it as the sales side, even if you're doing a nine-to-five. Like, work hard. Show them what you're doing. Show the value you're bringing. And by the way, uh, equity is going to lock in that alignment. If you're evenly uh, uh, in the business, you know, you're both going to be you're going to both be super committed to rowing in the same direction. So it's really good to do this equity split. But the second piece here too is like, if you're, if you're thinking that, Oh, I need a little bit more equity so that I can control that other person. You're probably not willing to make them a co-founder. You might not be ready right. for a co-founder as the yeah. other piece here. It's yeah. Good point. Good right? point. So there's like a second component that if you're not willing to go down that road, then there's, there might be a reason for that. And maybe you need to reevaluate where you are or where your headspace is or your expectations around co-founders. So yep. something to yep. be considered there. So now I did, I did want to talk about though, we kind of, uh, that's a lot of actually our experience, which I think is helpful. Now for you though, you listener, uh, what do you look for in a co-founder? I think is really important. And I want to talk about this in two ways. There's one really easy one. And the second one is a little bit more nuanced. And the, uh, the easy one is alignment. Um, yeah. so what is alignment just to be, again, context alignment is, uh, do you both have the same vision, uh, for the business and, and for your personal and professional goals, you know, as one of you, the ideas person, <laughs> that's not going to work. <laughs> you got to both do work <laughs> to, to do this. <laughs> yeah. Um, does one of you want to build a cell or do you, does the other one want to build an empire? Or you know, is, do you, is, does one of you want to have it as kind of like a, you know, um, uh, cottage hustle? industry yeah. side hustle, uh, you yeah, know, it's a lifestyle uh, business, lifestyle, that term, yeah. but yeah, yeah, lifestyle business. Yeah. Like, like you're trying to like, Hey, I only want to work like two hours a day and then I want to spend the rest of my time windsurfing or something like that. Um, you know, or are it's you like, specific. okay, we've got a really good business opportunity. We want to like hustle and, you know, capture this market and grow it and, you know, be acquired or go public or something like that. You know, yeah. you really have to be on the same page on, on what you're trying to accomplish with the business. Yeah. That's a big deal. If you come into it and, you know, one person is, I want to build an empire and the other person is I'm trying to pay off my student debt. Uh, that's going to be yeah. a problem. Because that you're you're fundamentally misaligned with how you're going to deal with early capital. One of you mm -hmm. wants to uh, it personally; the other one wants it for the business to reinvest in the business. You will fight instantly. So uh, I almost feel like, without going too nuts, maybe have a bulleted list of what your missions, uh, what, your, what your mission is, what your values are, and what you're trying to accomplish. And that can change, and it will change. That's fine but at least something to start with. So you ensure that you've got kind of this alignment buy-in before you do anything. Absolutely. Yeah. And secondly, and this seems, this is obvious, but nuanced is skills. Uh, the actual things that each of you do. So Chris and I are super complimentary. You know, uh, I am uh, more, a little bit more of a risk taker. I marketing and sales. I can, um, I mean this in the right way, Chris, but I think I can manage people pretty well. I, you know, that I have, and, and Chris, you know, for his part, 
um, way more risk averse, way more detail oriented, you know, and like practically speaking can make the thing can, can code the software, which I can't do. <laughs> yeah. So th there's this element of skills uh, that's important, but I think it goes beyond that. I think what we're trying to focus on sort of those, those overlapping skills and, um, what does it mean to you? Like an overlapping sort of like founder. Yeah. So like when I think about you, you don't give yourself enough credit that you're actually quite technical. You can, you had a development environment on your laptop. You were making adjustments, like you were coding parts of our marketing website. Like you're highly technical. So you really get it from a technical perspective. Sometimes. Yeah. Um, and so that was really beneficial because you could be doing a sales call and you could dive into some of the technical side of it. Um, whereas with me, I wouldn't say it was great, but I could kind of go on a demo and show the product. I knew like enough to be like, explain the different, you know, features and benefits and um, how the product worked and, and kind of do sort of the sales uh, marketing thing. Just definitely not as good as you could do it. Um, but those you know, having some of those overlapping skills were really important, especially like there would be times where, Hey, we were just like double booked and, you know, we needed to do two demos at yeah. once and we're only the two of us. So I could go on and actually do some of that. Or, you know, you could help me with some of the technical side. Like we had to build prototypes for a bunch of clients mm -hmm. and you were taking on some of that like technical side of, of the, uh, the business. So I think having, you know, those overlapping skills is, is well, incredibly valuable. The reverse is true too. You could sell. Your problem is you would give, give away the farm. You know, you just, you just couldn't negotiate the price very well, but you could sell. I mean, you were a solo entrepreneur for years. You understood yeah. the importance of, of being sort of like a sales organization as a startup, as opposed to being a, you know, we build software. It's actually, we sell software. It's like what we do. That's a big deal. You know, that's a, that's also a big alignment piece I would argue as well. Um, I guess the point here is, in the first case, you know, don't start a company with another you, two salespeople, two CTOs, two, these are, these are bad ideas. You need, um, obviously skills that are different, but if you think about that Venn diagram of the complementary skills, that overlapping area is really important. Like your, your minimum required requirement is complementary skills. Your best case scenario is founders that can sort of dabble in the strengths of each other. Yeah. That's the overlapping founder concept. Uh, it's not really like a fixed demarcation of what you can and can't do. It's more like you can both understand each other. You know, I could, I was technically, as Chris is sort of alluding to, I was technical enough to be able to step into a meeting and talk about it or understand it. I got really good at cybersecurity by the end of it. Uh, that, that's, that's, you know, that took training though in time, but I, I trained that to get better at that. I, I knew that was important. That's what you want to think about for co-founder. You want to think about, okay, how can I assist my other co-founder in understanding and solving problems? And a lot of that's going to reflect on having abilities or even developing abilities that overlap with the other side. The other thing I couldn't do when we first started is I couldn't do any design. I couldn't, do, I couldn't yeah. design anything. And then I got really good at that. And yeah. actually mostly from things that you showed me. And then all of a sudden I was taking that on, but we could always have conversations about it that were like reasonably well put together. We would understand why we like stuff and didn't like other stuff. So yeah. that was very, very, very important. I think. And that was one of the benefits of you is that you could pick stuff up technical that was, you know, very quickly I could show you in like 20 minutes, show you something in like Photoshop on how to, you know, tear apart a logo and, you know, make base yeah. graphics for an app. And you could then repeat that and we're really good at it. And, so, and to other team um, members too. Like I could train the implementation team. I could yeah. go to the salespeople and say, this is what's involved in this. Like you're better off 
as a company when your founders can can dabble, you know, can, mm-hmm. can have those overlapping skills. Yeah. Not too much. Think- you don't want to be, you know, I, I don't think it would make sense for me to start coding, but it did make sense for me to understand code. It didn't make yeah. sense for Chris to start selling, but it did make sense for him to understand what the customers were talking about. Yeah. I so. think there were times when I went to trade shows and, yep. you know, help salespeople set up when you were busy, we had two trade shows happening at the same time and I would go to one, you'd go to the other, yep. uh, things like that. So being able to dabble yeah, is super yeah. important. Yeah. So conclusion here, co-founders are common. They are a good approach. Uh, they need to have alignment. They need to have skills. We had tools to deal with co-founder mayhem, especially when you're brothers and you have a next level of candidness. I think broadly speaking, though, you're better off with a co-founder for tons of reasons. And uh, no, they don't have to be your brother. But they could be family. They could be. And that's fine. That still (laughs) works. Just have the tools to be able to manage that relationship. Right on. Sweet. Another episode in the books. Folks, we'll see you next week. Thanks so much for joining us. Rate the pod. All right. I'll talk to you later. See ya. Thanks for joining us. If you like what you heard, subscribe to and rate Startup Different in your favorite podcast app. If you want to see our radio faces, check us out on YouTube at Startup Different and look us up on social. We're probably there if you are. And lastly, do you want to feature your startup on the show? Reach out via our website, startupdifferent.com. See you next time.